I think it's just because you, you get to meet other people that like the thing that you like. Like, I have my friends, but they tolerate sometimes my fandom. Like, my friends know that I like Sherlock Holmes. And they know what it is, but if I were to sit there and like back in ye olden days and be like, let's talk about the fall, how did he survive the fall? They're just gonna nod and agree with whatever I say. But if I join a community of people that all watch it almost as obsessively as I do, I'm gonna get a lot more. They're gonna be like, no, it was with the balloon and the TARDIS and blah, blah, blah. And that's where you kind of start having fun. It's a lot more engaging, I feel. And mostly it's community, it's for the engagement that you get from it, it's just for being around others who love it as much as you do and you don't feel like such a weirdo. You know, I don't feel like I have to tone it down, I can be there and scream about Martin Freeman's beard for God's sake and you know, you guys get me and it's not, I don't get the weird look of like, what? Welcome to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler-Sutton, an ongoing discussion on geeky topics. Hello fellow geeks, it's been a long December and an even longer 2018, and this is running late as a result, but one of my goals for 2019 is to get this podcast out by the 15th of the month, every month, and I hope I can commit to that. In this episode, I continue my series where I interview women in the geek community about what their experiences were like, and their history as a fangirl. Sora Reyes and I met thanks to the same Facebook Sherlock fan group I met the previous geek girl interview, Sapria Lamea. In fact, I had also interviewed Sora in 2014, while we were both in London at the time. However, Sora had asked that I re-interview her since so much time had passed and so many things had changed. Sora is part of the Baker Street Babes, and we talk Sherlock, Martin Freeman's beard, and being a geek. My name is Sora Reyes, and currently I work as a content producer. Yeah, I'm just a freelance content producer at the moment. Awesome, and where do you currently live? I am currently based in Yuma, Arizona. And have you always lived there? No, I actually have been living for the last five years in London. And just a couple months ago, I moved back to the United States because my visa expired. Politics. Oh, man, yeah. I'm sorry. London I, London was awesome when I was there. I oh, God, I miss it. I miss it every single day because, of course, you know, it's always that thing that once you leave, all the amazing and cool things start happening. Of course. Uh, Before London, where did you live? Um, I was based in L.A. Is that where you grew up? Yeah. uh, My dad's in the or was in the Marines for 30 years. So I moved all over the United States most of my childhood. But for the most part, I consider L.A. to be like my the home home base. Awesome. And then a little bit more about yourself. Tell me a little bit about your your family situation. You talked about your your dad. You have a significant other. You know, do you have siblings? That kind of stuff. Um, No, it's just me, my mom and my dad. And then I do have two sisters. They're both younger than I am by like five and seven years, respectively. Both are married and with children. I am the odd little black sheep who decided to pursue school and move out of the country and just travel the world as much as I possibly could, which is nothing wrong with that, but you know. And then your age, if you don't want to give the specific, a range is fine. I am very, no, I'm only 29. (laughs) And then your education level slash history. I am a holder of two bachelor's degrees, one in nursing, and then the other is in graphic design. 
So is nursing. So if you like beat up somebody, you know how to yes, heal. Totally. I can hide the body. Hide the evidence. No. Um, no, it was, um, I've always had an odd interest in medical stuff. I mean, like a lot of people I'm fascinated with uh, medical podcasts and whatnot, but I did it. It was fun, but I find graphic design to be much more rewarding. Well, and that was going to be kind of going, you talked about being a content producer. Is that primarily graphic design or do you like mix around? Because I know nowadays, especially like myself, you know, people kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know what? I actually think that it's necessary that you have to be able to do more than one thing because I find that a lot of people who hire me are always asking, well, can you also do this? And can you also do that? Which for them, I imagine is them saving because, you know, they don't got to go out and hire individual people who can do these different tasks. Instead, they have one person who, oh, do you have experience with audio editing? Do you have experience with design? Can you do websites? Like, what can you do? And the more you can do, they're like, ah, we like you. Come along. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, now we get into the meat of the Geek Girl interviews. The first question is, how do you personally define what a geek is in your mind? To me, a geek's more someone who is a fan of some form of entertainment usually related to the field of comics and film and television shows that's and video games too i suppose but you know like somewhere in that that range it's hard to say like with music because i know some people are wondering if we're going to put that in our audio because you know like i mentioned before you have podcasts but i don't know i've i've yet to explore that more so i can't really say so but for me it's just more someone who's into like comics movies and television shows and video games things like that awesome and how long would you say you've been a geek oh god since birth <laughs> um <laughs> you know really i was like obsessed like hardcore obsessed with like power rangers when i was a kid like i i would run around when someone bought me gloves i guess you can call that my first cosplay um they <laughs> bought me the gloves from power rangers and then i made myself a little suit and just ran around pretending i was a power ranger which one <laughs> the pink ranger <laughs> <laughs> i thought she, i like the color pink um, and then I also liked blue, but it was interesting because blue is my favorite color. But when I was young, they kept telling me that it's very much a boy's color. So for a while, I was like, okay, then I guess I'll go with pink. Insert huge question mark there. <laughs> um, and then as I got older, I was like, screw you, blue is amazing. If I'm manly, then I'm manly. Yeah, and I just went for it. And then also, um, I really like Sailor Moon, which was like the next one, which I think tends to be, for a lot of people, their first little foray into anime. Yeah. Um, but I actually recently found out that one of my favorite movies growing up as a kid was, oh, Nemo, something with Nemo, not Nemo, like Finding Nemo. It was something with like Morpheus and all that. And I found out it was a Studio Ghibli connection with it. Ooh. And I didn't realize that. And more and more, I'm finding out that a lot of the movies I watched as a kid were very much into anime. I'm like, wow, this really goes far back. But a lot of the things that I liked were always tied into like anime. I guess you can call it early fandom for some people. Would you call the Power Rangers your first entry into the geek world, do you think? I think I would, because that was honestly that's the most clearest memory I have of the first time that I... I, you could almost say like I actively participated in some form of fandom because I, of course, found kids at school that also liked it. This is like preschool, mind you. And we would all get together and, you know, act it out. Oh, my God, I was LARPing. <laughs> Before it was called that. <laughs> yeah, I just realized that because we really did. We had little beanbags and everything that we threw at each other. We were like, ooh, blessed. Oh, that's kind of cool. Huh. <laughs> well, 
That kind of leads into my next question. Do you have a specific focus of geekiness? You talked about anime. You talked about how you were originally a Power Rangers, which I don't know if you're still into it now that it's come back. <laughs> no, no, that one, that one's gone. <laughs> what are your specific focuses in the geek world? What do you like? What do you geek out about? Well, for the last couple of years, I've really been involved in Sherlock Holmes. I am part of the all-women podcast, The Baker Street Babes. And obviously that means Sherlock Holmes is something that I hold very near and dear to my heart. For that one, that's obviously people who don't know, which is very, I do find people who don't know, but for those who don't, you know, it is a story about a detective. It's a book. It's a novel, a series of novels and wee little stories all woven together. That's something that I've mostly been involved with in the last couple of years. However, it's sort of, I wouldn't say died. It's just sort of kind of faded to the background and I'm kind of embracing more pop culture type stuff which I feel is like such a sellout but here I am I don't care I I like going to these things that everyone kind of gives us crap about for example you're a fan of Marvel they're like everybody's a fan of Marvel now it's like and what is your point it's amazing we all are and more into the sort of the pop culture type things right now with my friend from the Baker Street Babes we both kind of banded together and formed our group the Nerdventurists where we combine traveling with nerdy things because one time we went to Venice and then we both looked at it. We're like, wait a second. This was from Assassin's Creed. Like, they, I think they did a lot of the stuff based here. And then, you know, we started to explore that. And then we began to do the whole, you know, going to places where they started to film things or places that were modeled in either games, films or television. And then we just kind of ran with it, just writing about it, being like, oh, we went to this place. This is what we experienced, etc. Like she recently went to where they filmed district 12 for the hunger game films but yeah that's pretty much all i'm into now i usually just do blogging um occasionally i'll get hired by some people to do little videos for them but that's about the extent i'm not as overly involved as i like i was with sherlock where i was into like podcasting events conventions etc this one i'm kind of more i think taking a back seat to all of it and just enjoying it well, and Sherlock is kind of where you and I met, I think, is through, yeah, it was. Through, through the Facebook group. Are you a fan of all versions of Sherlock or just specific versions? Or Because obviously there's the books, but there's the Rathbone movies, there's the Sherlock TV series, there's the uh, Granada series, there's the Russian series. No, I like them all. The Granada series is my favorite, but no, I do. I like all of them. Each Because I think each of them has a certain character to it, a sort of signature, if you will. Granada has always been it's something I even did a talk at the Museum of London about it Ooh. that was terrifying because <laughs> that I was literally in a room with Sherlockian scholars like like people who this is their life and for me I felt such a casual little fan waltzing in there but there I was I ended up winning mind you because I picked um Jeremy Brett because it's just Jeremy Brett <laughs> um, I can just say the name and be like mic drop which is actually what I ended up doing because the guy who went before me couldn't make his mind up mm -hmm. and he decided to do two he and he picked Jeremy Brett the rules were you pick one person and then you talk about them so it was actually planned out that he was going to talk about someone else and I was going to do Jeremy Brett because I called him first. Mm -hmm. But Homeboy decided to go for both. So he finished talking about everything I was going to say. And then it was my turn. So I just kind of was like, oh, this is so awkward. And I actually just told him that. I'm like, he basically said everything I was going to say. But the heartfelt sentiment was, uh, when I imagine Sherlock Holmes, like from the book Sherlock Holmes, I imagine Jeremy Brett. 
for BBC Sherlock, I'm not going to lie, I actually did not want to watch it. I, whew, it took me until the third series before I finally just bit the bullet and like, all right, let's just watch it. He doesn't look right, but let's watch it. But yeah, I'm a fan of a lot of them, probably all of them. There's very few Sherlockian things that I come across that I don't like. I think the only ones I didn't like was this very strange, and I want to imagine it was a pornographic <laughs> thing that I kind of just like, mm, nope, <laughs> just shut it, locked away. Because, you know, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to, to define what is Sherlock and what's not, because um, he's such an iconic character that anybody who just throws on a deer stalker and holds a magnifying glass and ugh, this bothers me, but they're like, elementary deer. Well, I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's right up uh, there with beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> oh, God. But um, I admit that I grew up on the Granada, Granada series. My mom was a huge, huge fan of the, the books, and I grew up when the Granada series were on the oh, first time around. Lucky. And I remember watching them, you know, maybe 10 or 12. I can't remember what years they were out. I had missed admit once Sherlock became popular, I had toyed with revisiting them, but I'm, I'm so nervous that they're not going to hold up. Mm over time because i've watched other things that were made in the 80s and i'm like oh dear god and so it's like i keep on contemplating watching some of those ones and i'm at the same time it's like do i really want to ruin what i have in my memory by seeing what they actually you know what i look like now but Mm. uh, i've heard that they held up pretty well they did and because i actually did revisit it and i think it's because i separated it in my own mind because i had to because for the bsb we had to watch elementary and it was so hard for me because I think it was two modern adaptations and they were so close to one another that I almost didn't want to because I was like, oh no, I'm just going to hate elementary because I love BBC and I'm just going to be comparing the two of them to each other. And eventually we actually had a little discussion amongst our group where we're just like, you know, we got to approach it more as a, it is its own individual thing. They each draw elements from the canon material. So kind of just look at that instead to see how much are they, what did they take from, you know, the original material and what's their interpretation, but don't compare it against other adaptations because then you are going to run into the whole like, oh, well, you know, this guy does it better over here and that's a better Watson. Um, And then you get the Museum of London, which is what they made us do, which was like, which is the best Holmes and which is the best Watson? I hate questions like that. Yeah, so for the according to them, the best um, Sherlock Holmes is Jeremy Brett. Woo! And then the best Watson was Martin Freeman. Oh, nice. Watson. Yeah, that one I was all for. I'm like, yes. Just, <laughs> well, anybody yes. who knows me knows my fascination yeah. with Martin Freeman. Mm, oh, that beard. Oh, that, God, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. I, see, see, that's something I can go on for eight. Like, the beard, <laughs> beard that changed my life. <laughs> now, you've already kind of delved into this. My next question is, what geek communities do you participate in, both online and in real life? You talked about the Baker Street Babes. What other geek communities have you participated in and do you participate in? Uh, Now I feel like I've turned into more of a lurker, mostly on Twitter. I used to do Tumblr, (laughs) RIP, but with the recent upheaval happening over there, it's kind of pushed me back out. But, you know, I'm a lurker now. I don't really engage into it as much as I do because... Initially, when I got into Sherlockian stuff, I was in university, so I had a lot more free time. Time I probably should have spent doing projects, but, you know, instead I was out and about joining London-based groups and going around, visiting sites, sitting, talking about our favorite chapters or stories, 
you know, stuff like that. You know, now I'm just on Twitter and I kind of lurk around, see what people like, and then go watch it myself. And then amongst my own, like, close-knit friends, we'll discuss it or something. But it doesn't go much further than that. Well, that leads into my next question. Why participate in a fan community, either online or in real life? What do you get out of it? I think it's just because you kind of get like, um, you get to meet other people that like the thing that you like. Like, I have my friends, of course, you know, my little close-knit friends, but they tolerate sometimes my fandom. Like my uh, friends, my local ones here in the United States know that I like Sherlock Holmes and they know what it is. But if I were to sit there like back in ye olden days and be like, let's talk about the fall. How did you survive the fall? They're just going to nod and agree with whatever I say. But if I join a community of people that all watch it almost as obsessively as I do, I'm going to get a lot more. They're going to be like, no, it was with the balloon and the TARDIS and blah, blah, blah. And that's where you kind of start having fun. You get It's a lot more engaging, I feel, versus just sticking to, you know, my friends around here. Um, mostly it's community. It's for the engagement that you get from it. It's just for being around others who love it as much as you do and you don't feel like such a weirdo it's like (laughs) you know i don't feel like i have to tone it down i can be there and scream about martin freeman's beard for god's (laughs) sake and you know you guys get me and it's not i don't get the weird look of like what a a beard just like you don't understand just leave me be it's free beard man well i think my favorite is that photo of him in black and white in the suit on the bed I mean, I'm not, I'm not much for daddy cake, but boy, howdy, does that scream it. Exactly (laughs) right. That's something that just, man, when that happened, I have some people who are like, you know, he's always appeared so dull Mm -hmm. and just like this background character. And then suddenly Richard the third, he grows out that beard and we're like, oh, hello, 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 hello. How you doing? <laughs> uh, you know, it was one of those, those good moments that we had. Um, but yeah, it's stuff. See, it's stuff like this. That is why I like to go join fan communities and fan groups. And I, I especially like it when it's something more eclectic, a bigger mix, because then you're more likely to find people who like other things. And therefore, I'm, I don't have to worry so much about like, I need to find a, for example, like a Star Trek only group. Because they're only going to be the ones who would like to talk about Star Trek. It's so much nicer when you meet people who are like, oh, no, I like all of these fandom things. It's like, oh, we have so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why things I hear about 221BCon, for example, that has such a... Yes, they are a Sherlock Holmes convention, but they are so much more than that. You just got to look at their panels to know that they are so much more than just Sherlock Holmes. It's really it's like a family all gathering and everyone talks about different things from Yuri on Ice to hockey. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things for them to do. It's not just the the one thing. Well, because shocker, most of us like more than one thing. I know, right? Some people, some people are like, they're ride or die with their one fandom. And nowadays, thanks to the internet, I feel we have ones who are, we're like, we're balanced. We have a lot of things that we like and we're, a lot of things we're very passionate about. Right now, obviously, I just moved back over here, so that took a humongous bit of my finances, what little were there, so that was fun. Now it's just more getting here, recouping. I'm either going to relocate to LA or some other major city, because the city I live in right now, Yuma, is a very tiny community. They actually had their own, I guess you could call it an anime slash nerd con. 
gently call it that because they're like blasting it as this is YumaCon, it's amazing and blah 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 and i my very first nerd convention was san diego comic-con yikes that's an intro yeah. Yeah, that was my introduction. But mind you, I went back in the olden days where I literally just walked up. Like my friend called me and she's like, hey, so there's this like convention in town. It's called San Diego Comic Con. Do you want to go? This is on Saturday, mind you. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Let, let me go ask my mom and dad to drive me there because I think I was 13 at the time. And they drove us. They dropped us off. We paid like 11, 10 or $11. And we wrote our name on our pass, and then in we went. Whereas now, now I have to get some form of alcohol, be drinking as I'm staring at the stupid little thing spinning in circles, and pray to the nerd gods that I get a ticket. Yeah. Which, knock on wood, for the, like, since 2003, I've always gotten a ticket. Like always i have never not gotten a ticket but now things are changing now i know i have to like call a group of people we have like 30 people in our group we all try at the same time it's kind of insane so if you can imagine going from that that sort of insanity where it's it's there's a system to it there's a way to win at comic-con to going to this tiny community one where i walked in and it was like maybe 10 quote artist alley tables and a couple little dealers that had nothing to do with comics or anime or television or anything of the sort they were just like local businesses that came over it was very weird and it's hard because i'm like don't be a snob don't be a snob and yet there i was just <laughs> you know casually observing and trying not to be so judgmental it was it was cute but it, it's hard i think i told i tell people like i went backwards i think i went from something too big Almost to the point where I, I didn't fully appreciate it until I got to see where other people started at. Like, oh, that's why they lose it. Because I often tell people, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be at Comic-Con. They're like, oh, my God, you got tickets. How did you do that? I'm like, oh, um, how do you not get... You mean you don't go? <laughs> also with the Sherlock stuff, I feel like on that one, too, I was very privileged to be permitted to be part of big projects that most other fans weren't so in a way it almost spoiled me on some things where I feel like I didn't fully appreciate my community as I should have because my introduction to some things were much larger like I've always liked Sherlock Holmes since I was a kid as many people often cite you know the great mouse detective was something that they watched back in the olden days but for me it was like yeah I liked it but it was more of a background noise and then BBC Sherlock came out and the Robert Downey Jr. ones had come out already and that's when it was reawakening and then I was invited to be part of the Baker Street Babes who have a tremendous amount of access to things. Both BBC, the Warner Brothers, like their network is wide and vast. Yes. And so to go from like having that, like I'm, I'm sitting there having interviews with the cast members, someone who at that point had never really done that level of interviews with anybody. So going from that and then trying to get into a new fandom and be used to not having that privilege is something different. But now I'm more appreciative of it. Now it's more like it's not about the access that you get. It's a lot more about the people that you meet. They don't have to be famous. They don't have to be well connected because, you know, there there's sometimes you meet those fans who are like, yes, well, I, I know the 
the hairstylist for the director's dog. I'm like, he knows me. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And it's nice. I actually prefer it a lot more. Just to be something, to be more of a, I'm a fan that's just there. Hi, my name is Lanny Serum. You might know me from Trailer Park Shark. Also, I'm the writer of Handbook for Mortals. And I'm geeking out with Angie Filder Sutton. And, you know, you should geek out with her as well. Let's geek out together. You can find Contents May Vary, the home of the Geek Out podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash contents may vary. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at the handle Angie F. Sutton. Be sure to give me a review over on iTunes or Stitcher. Finally, I have a newsletter. Be sure to sign up for it over at angiefsutton.com. And now back to my geek girl interview with Sora Reyes. Okay, next question is, what would you say is the best part of being in the community or being a geek? What's the best part? Oof, that's hard to answer. Oh, I don't know. It's, ugh. I just really like it. It's hard to say exactly why I do, but I, I do. Um... Honestly, for me, the best part really is when I have other people who are part of that community. Like, I'm very much a people person. It's one thing to like things by yourself. Like, um, I was a big fan of an anime called Black Butler or Kurosetsuji, and I loved it. It was it's a great anime and everything, but I didn't really have much of a community to talk to about it. It was just more me being me and then, you know, trying to find fan fiction or fan art when I could. And then when I started watching Yuri on Ice, which is an amazing anime, there was a lot bigger community there. And it's like, okay, you know, yes, they're my Sherlockian people too. But at the same time, it's like, oh, we're all getting into this thing. And it's just so much nicer because I have people to talk to about it. I have people who I can shyly make requests and don't even get me started on cosplayers. Like I'm somebody I have no problem now. I have no problems doing interviews. I have no problems going up to people and having a chat with them and making new friends. That's not even an issue now. But if you're in cosplay, I can't talk to you because I, I can't talk to you. I get so shy. It, it's kind of ridiculous because I think for a moment, I'm like, it's the character. I can't talk to them. Especially if they stay in character. I can't just, I literally, I'm just like, nope. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it's not that you're bad. It's just that I'm really overwhelmed and shy right now. <laughs> when I walk away, like, I can't do this. Which is funny because then I meet the person out of cosplay and we're like, fine. But in cosplay, I'm like, mm-mm. But yeah, it's so hard to define, you know, what the best part is because I feel like it's so many different elements that all come together that just make me want to be there that it's so hard to define any particular one. Now, the opposite of that question, what would you say is the worst part of being in the geek community or being a geek? Mm, sometimes it's oh, like anything. It's always the trolls that, that come out and the I like to think of them as purists. The ones who are like, unless you can name every follicle of hair on the head of Spock, you're not a real fan. And I get so angry when I encounter people like that. And the Sherlock fandom in particular, I did find a lot of people who were like that. Um, some of the older fans who refuse to acknowledge anybody who came from BBC Sherlock that joined the communities they were immediately just turned away from because they're like, well, you're not a real fan. You just like bender snaps, cummerbund, whatever. Um, and you know, you're not, you're not real. And I get really irritated by that. And I do find that, that sort of attitude 
is very poisonous to the community and I don't like it at all. And it's honestly, it's something that really takes it away that I'll be really excited because I like this new thing. And then I talk to somebody and then they like roll their eyes at me and like, Oh, that's not it at all. And blah, 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 blah. I'm I'm just, can you just let me like the thing? Like, uh, just let me be. Well, that leads into the sub-question of whether you specifically have had any negative experiences or have been called a fake geek girl. Oh, yeah. I have 221B tattooed on my arm. And I had somebody say, let me guess, your favorite is BBC Sherlock. Which, you know what? What if it is? So what? But I said, actually, no, I like Journey Brett and the whole Granada series. It's my favorite. And then they look so surprised and like, okay, well, what about, you know, who, who else do you know? Do you, and they, he just started naming every, and you know that Sherlock has been portrayed by many actors. In fact, he's in the Guinness World Record here. How many people have played him? And so he starts naming the most obscure, like, people who have ever played Holmes, many of which I had no idea who they were. And he's like, huh, I thought so. Not a real fan. And... Oh, I wanted to punch him. Like, I shouldn't do violence, but man, that really irritated me. And I actually got it quite a lot that there are just people who didn't believe I was a real Sherlock fan. And then I also have Kingdom Hearts tattoos on my arms, which with my name being Sora, I often oh, get, God. Yeah, I get a lot of people kind of taking the piss at me out of that one. I, I am so sorry. Ugh, I'm so used to it now that it's kind of like, okay. I, in fact, I met somebody who... He didn't want to say it because he thought that I was just saying it to, like, I guess be a super nerdy person or something. I'm like, no, that's that's the name. The actual name. Shall I pull out my ID for you? I just don't like being called out like that because you're being judged by someone's personal judgy system there. And it's kind of like, you just let me be. You don't see me rolling up to your house and, you know, asking some stupid questions to verify your nerddom. And what does it matter if I get verified by you? Or am I going to be allowed into some secret, you know, community that we're all going to wear special outfits? <laughs> you know, like some sort of Mason type thing. Um, you haven't been invited to the Cumberbatch Collective secret oh, meetings? No. Well, there we go. I'm not a Cumber cookie or whatever they come up with now. Yeah, it's stuff like that. I just don't, I don't care for it. And I've had it happen to me many, many times as others that I've met have had the same thing happen to them. That you just encounter that one person who's just like, no, you're not a real fan. It's like, okay. Well, goodbye to you. <laughs> you know, just walk off. You know, that's why the tagline of my podcast is everyone's a little uh, is geeky about something is I, I hate yeah. the idea of gatekeeping, especially in the geek community. If you say you're a fan, you're a fan. If you say you're, yeah. you're a geek about something, you're a geek. That's my attitude. Yeah, it's not like you get a badge or you unlock some sort of achievement if, you know, you've done certain things that other fans haven't done. It's just like like i've actually had someone who's like well you know the real dedicated fans are the ones who fly all over the world to go to all the conventions or they fly all over the world to go to every red carpet premiere for their favorite actor or crap like that I'm like yeah well not everybody has the funding to do that to which they told me well you know this is because they're not trying hard enough it's like okay all right, person, we're going to stop this conversation here. <clears throat> Bye. Yeah, no, it's, it's stuff like that. that You're just like, ugh, what does it matter? Honestly, to them, what does it matter? Admittedly, when I was younger, ugh, 
I used to get mad because um, take Comic-Con for an example. I Like I mentioned before, I went back in the days when it was super easy to get a ticket. You didn't really have to worry so much about not getting into things because there weren't that many people. But then Twilight happened. And after Twilight happened, Comic-Con changed completely. That's when studios saw that the impact, the audience that they could reach by going to Comic-Con. And I think that was kind of the start of this whole, like, wow, nerds are actually cool. You know, we can make money off of this. And for a little bit, I was bitter about it, Mm -hmm. you know, because at the earlier days, it was always kind of like, you're the weirdo at school, especially. Um, Mm -hmm. My friend and I used to get bullied because we liked Sailor Moon and we would sit in the classroom and draw ourselves as Sailor Scouts. And people were like, you guys are such nerds. And back then, nerds was a bad word. In a way, it was very, it was meant to hurt. It wasn't meant to be like, wow, that's actually cool. And then to see it change, I think there was like this lingering resentment about that. Being like, oh, oh, now you think it's cool. I was here in the beginning, so you technically don't count. And it wasn't until a couple years later that I was like, wow, I'm being as much of a jerk as they were. And I shouldn't do that. It's like, cool, welcome. I still think you're a jerk for what you did to me as a kid, but if you want to start liking this thing that I like, here's some stuff that I found if you want to check it out. Even today, there's still some times where, and I think this is solely on because it's harder now for me to get into stuff like at Comic-Con. It's so hard to get into any parties for panels. Like, God, one year they had the Doctor Who panel and the Sherlock panel back to back. And if it wasn't because of the fact that with Sherlock, we were granted press passes I, there was just no way we were going to make it because it wasn't, you, you have to have somebody already in the queue for you whilst you're at the panel that you're, you're at there. So we were at the um, Doctor Who panel, which was in Hall H, which we had camped out for overnight. We were there and then we basically got our stuff and we had to run for the Sherlock panel. And there was other people running there, but they went to go join friends who either were like just in the queue or had slipped them a bathroom pass so that they can get into the into the room. And it's like this level of insanity of trying to get access to these things. It's to the point where uh, it's just it's overwhelming. And so, you know, I have moments of bitterness where it's like I was here at the beginning. I was very patient waiting for this cool content to come out. And now these people who just suddenly decided, especially ones that bullied me, suddenly decided that fandom is cool are coming in here and taking up space that for a while I felt I was entitled to because I had waited and it took a long time for me to let go of that sort of bitterness and just be like you know what it's fine welcome you're gonna suffer as I do so get in the queue and that sort of thing so yeah every now and then it does come out and I'm just like oh twilight (laughs) I still blame twilight I'm so I'm still salty about Twilight. I will never let it go. I'm just like, God damn it, Twilight. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, because of Twilight, Comic-Con has become even more fascinating. Now you have like the sci-fi fan festival. And they had a party last year that I was really lucky. Um, a friend of mine works with PBS. So she has, because it's business, she has a business friend who he is the head of communications and he was in charge of that party. And they wanted to meet up because they're friends. They did, actually didn't particularly care about the party. They were just like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Um, and I asked her, I'm like, can I go? Please, can I go? It's the Harry Potter theme night. Please, can I go? And she's like, yeah, of course. And there I went. And oh my gosh, that was amazing. 
And I realized that stuff like that would never have happened if it weren't for Twilight showing up and showing these studios that there is an audience for these types of things. Oh, I should also tell you about the time, like for my thesis, I wrote about um, the LGBT community and fandom. And my teacher was telling me to cite the Baker Street Babes. And he's like, yeah, they're a really great group, blah, blah, blah. And I kept trying to tell him, like, I know my Sherlock Holmes. Stop being a jerk. But he didn't want to listen to me. And then he's like, oh, the Baker, they're, you know, they really know about Sherlock Holmes. And I recommend them. They're about your age anyway. As he's talking, I did pull up my Baker Street Babes profile. I was like, you mean this group? And I did the classic author pose, you know hand under the chin staring i did that right at him like it's me like for my teacher who he is a someone who does fandom studies and he was i told him what i wanted to do and he thought that if i try to say all of fandom has an impact on the lgbt community he's like oh i think that's too broad so you should focus it i completely disagreed but I went with it and I focused on Sherlock because that's a community that I'm incredibly familiar with. And every time I kept telling him, oh, I talked to this person. And I even have recordings. I had evidence. He still kept saying, no, it's just, you don't, I don't think it is. Like you're saying that you did this, but can I be honest with you? I don't think you did. It's like, really? Okay. Because um, I had some where I talked to um, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss about it. Which was, it's solely for my my paper. I wasn't allowed to release it or anything. It was like on the promise that this is just for my paper. That's that. And my teacher still didn't buy it. I told him that I know these various scholars that I can talk to them. I can add stuff to the paper from them. And he goes, no, he's like, you, you can't just reach out to them. They're very hard. And what about these people? I'm like, yeah, these, oh my God. Okay. So in the end, I got so frustrated with him that I just, did what he told me to do and he failed me for the first one yikes uh yeah that was great oh i got so oh oh that was a lot of emotions <laughs> so the second time around when i submitted it i disregarded what he said i included the community like the broad nerd community and i cited some of the smaller niches of them and that one passed and that was better they're like oh yeah so this is what we were asking for and i just kind of stared at them like i was in the office like really <laughs> yeah so so that worked out awesome you talked a little bit, had mentioned some of these already, but pick out one geek out moment of your life and talk about it. What would it be? You know, meeting a celebrity or some of the things you've been able to do. Something where you were like really proud in terms of your geekiness. Oh, there's two. There's two events that I'm like, I revisit often to make me happy. If I had to make a Patronus, I would think of these events. <laughs> the first one, I ran like full body into um nathan fillion <laughs> like full body i'm talking like i was not paying attention to where i was going he was not paying attention and it was like just smack and then um he's like are you all right i'm like yeah i'm fine are you okay he goes yeah i'm fine and then he gives me a cell phone and asks me if i can take a photo of some people that were with him now this was back before i had seen firefly <laughs> So I actually had no idea who he was. And I just thought that he was a cosplayer that accidentally ran into me and that was trying to find someone to take a picture with his other cosplay friends. So I was like, yeah, of course, and took it, took the photos for him. And we kind of like stood side by side looking and said, yeah, okay, these are good. Thanks. And then that was that. And my friends who were just like right there were staring at me like, oh my God, do you know who that? And I had no idea. But then later on when I watched Firefly, I was like, oh my God. <gasps> so now I think about it I'm like oh, I touched his whole body <laughs> 
And then the other one was when I met Andrew Scott. I love Andrew Scott so much. Um, I like his portrayal of Moriarty. I have a lot of opinions about Moriarty's and he is my favorite one. Mm -hmm. So I don't get flustered normally when I meet celebrities. I think I just fall back in some sort of like, I'm here to do a job. Usually it's interviewing them or directing them to go to places. So when I'm in that zone, I don't worry so much. But when I'm going to them as a fan, like there's no, there's no particular reason why I'm coming up to them other than my god will you please sign my little gym doll yeah that was fun <laughs> it was amazing because um i gave him the doll and he thought it was really cute and he's like what is your name and i told him sora and he's like that is such a beautiful name that he put a little heart Aww. above he like he put to sora and he put a little heart and then he's like andrew scott and <laughs> and i was like shaking like i was shaking so hard i was he's like are you right like i'm just yeah i'm just overwhelmed <laughs> And he was like, okay, well, it's okay. It's just me. Yeah, and I was like, it's just you. Okay. And then I went and I had to sit down for a bit because I was like, oh, my God. Ooh, I survived. Um, and even today, I still get really flustered just thinking about it. I was going to say, everything I've heard about him is that he is just the ultimate sweetie. Oh, in my God. Life. He's an actual angel on heaven. Like, just, he's so, he's so amazing. Whereas I, I have met um, Martin Freeman a couple times, and he's always just so brusque and to the point, which is kind of what I expect from him. Mm -hmm. But that does not stop yours truly from being like, oh, you smell nice. <laughs> this is kind of tying into one of the first questions. Are you the only geek in your family, or do you have geeky parents or siblings or whatnot? My sister, my middle sister, is. She's like me. She, we, In fact, we often make little jokes back and forth to each other. Like inside jokes. Oh, what was it? We do the Mor not Moriarty, the Mycroft one where I worry about him constantly. <laughs> um, we do that back and forth to each other. We like playing video games together. So like when she came to visit recently, we sat there catching up on Assassin's Creed. It's one of our favorite games to play together. And I had the syndicate and they were like, oh yeah, let's play together. And yeah, we'd sit there and we took turns. So yeah, her, she's like my, <laughs> the only one in the family who understands. <laughs> And she's very helpful when it comes to getting me gifts because she knows what I like and vice versa. I know what fandoms and stuff that she enjoys. So it's actually quite helpful. And it's just nice to have like a sibling there that I can be like, <laughs> like I made her watch Sherlock because she's like, this is weird. I'm like, just stick with it. Okay, just stick with it and you'll get it. And now she does. Now she's like, I like this. This is pretty cool. And same thing. She'll show me a series or something because I'm very picky about anime or really anything that you try to get me to watch because I have I don't like it when it's just like like oh boy meets girl and so cliche and predictable I like to be surprised I like to not be able to figure out the plot within 10 minutes so if someone can find me something that will will do that where it's not a romantic plot like 100% of the time where there's more going on then I'm there 100% awesome well we're kind of getting towards the end here by now into the wrap-up section what advice would you give a newbie entering the geek world? Probably don't be intimidated by people who say that they have all this big access. Don't be intimidated by people who tell you that the only way you can really be a fan is if you've read or watched all these like comics or films or all this stuff. Like, just go into it because you like it. You will find people who are like you. And then learn gradually about stuff. Don't try to to feel like it's a test that you need to go sit there and study. Just 
if you've only watched five episodes of something, cool, that's great. Let's talk about those five episodes. If you don't want us to spoil you, just tell me don't spoil you. But, you know, don't be don't be intimidated because I feel like now so many people are identifying themselves as nerds. Yeah, don't feel like you need to compare yourself to them, that you have to be a certain type. Just you do you, boo, and welcome. Come come join us. You're going to like it. Where do you think the geek world is heading in the next, say, five to ten years? Oh, it's hard to say because I, I honestly, I didn't see that one day it would become what it has now where it's like everybody and their mothers into it. I think it is going to start to fade out like anything, anything that's like niche is going to kind of fade to the back way. But I, I kind of think like it's going to fade a bit, but it's not going to go away 100 percent. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I don't think we're going to go back to those days where, you know, you're mocked for enjoying this type of stuff. I think we're going to just kind of, we're there. We're just like you flip a channel to go watch football or baseball or whatever sport. You're going to flip a channel and there's going to be some sort of nerdy thing happening. Like get video game competitions are on ESPN. I did not know that. It, that tells you how long I've been away from America that I came back. I'm like, is that Fortnite or what? <laughs> I think the moment for me is that my undergrad alma mater, Park University, just launched an esports team. And I'm like, this is Kansas City, mind you, not L.A., and I'm like, they've got an esports team? What the what? I know it's crazy. It's it's not what I expected it to be. That's for sure. And it's so nice. But I'm hoping that it stays the way with Tumblr now, kind of fading out. I mean, that's a complicated subject onto its own. Yeah, it's gonna have to be a good month or so before that gets settled and whatever is going to happen to it. Yeah, but you know, we're seeing there. That's one place where people used to meet in the community, but. People are using Twitter, um, Instagram. Those are the two big ones. Facebook is dead, sort of. It's dying. It's getting there. But I think that we're going to continue to have our communities. Thanks to technology, we have ways of keeping in commune with each other. I do feel it is changing. And um, maybe we can save that for a whole other time. But I almost feel like people are starting to close themselves off into more smaller groups and staying away from the entire large like worldwide web. We're, we're going to smaller individual little groups that are secluded from the other ones because they want to avoid bullying. And I feel like that's going to have some sort of impact. What? I don't know. I've been kind of just watching from the wayside, but I do feel like that's going to have some sort of impact on how everything goes. Okay. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Was there anything that you thought I'd ask that I didn't or that you wanted to talk about and we haven't? No, I think we pretty much covered everything. <laughs> Okay, and then for anybody who's listening, you mentioned a few of these, but where can people find you online? For the most part, you can go to the Baker Street Babes Twitter, and you'll hear me occasionally on some podcasts. But primarily, if you want to find just me, I'm on Twitter at MDSora, and it's the same for my Instagram as well. I don't really change my handles very much. And now, it's time for Angie Geeks Out. I've mentioned before how my first introduction to Marvel was Spider-Man in The Electric Company, and how I also read the comic in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch growing up. I loved the Sam Raimi movies, yes, even the third, thought the Andrew Garfield ones were good enough reboot, and have enjoyed Tom Holland's portrayal for the most part. In your universe, there's only one Spider-Man. But there's another universe. It looks and sounds like yours, but it's not. 
My name's Miles Morales. But on Christmas Eve, I got the chance to catch the latest, the animated Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was, hands down, the best Spider-Man movie yet, in my opinion. We follow the story of Miles Morales as he runs into Peter Parker, well, his universe's Peter Parker, and then in turn comes across a variety of alternate universe spider... Well, not Spider-Men, because Spider-Gwen is one of them. And not Spider-People, because we also have Spider-Ham. Spiders? We'll go with spiders. He runs into multiple spiders. Doing this in animation was the perfect choice. Say what you want about Disney's latest trend of turning their animated movies into live action. Animation is a glorious medium that lets you get away with a lot more, because the suspension of disbelief is so much lower. And this movie uses the fact that it's animated to perfection. Not only does it use a different animation style for each of the different alternate universes, when Miles gets bitten by the spider, it uses the fact that these are based on comics in a scene of fourth wall breaking textual beauty. And on a personal note, I thought it did a great job with all the female characters, playing with stereotypes and tropes, especially comic book tropes, in fresh ways. If you get a chance to catch this in a theater, do so. They fill up every inch of that screen with gorgeous animation, and it's well worth to see in 3D as well. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks for Sora for taking the time for me to interview her, twice. I actually edited out a good five minutes worth of this podcast for time, but I'm contemplating providing it to my Patreon supporters. For as little as a dollar a podcast, you can help support Geek Out and read some behind-the-scenes stories of each of my episodes. The $5 level gets you the podcast a smidge early, and maybe some other goodies to come. Visit patreon.com slash Angie F. Sutton for all the information about it. Next up, last month I had the situation reversed and was a guest on the podcast Your Biggest Fangirl. I decided to return the favor and have them on my show. We'll talk to the ladies behind the podcast about what prompted them to create it and their plans for the future. Until next time, stay geeky. Thanks for listening to Geek Out with Angie Fiedler Sutton. The theme song is Schoolyard Haze by Yari Picknickin, available via the Free Music Archive. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike License. More information about the podcast is available on AngieFSutton.com.